This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Picture this, Manchester City have just won their fifth Premier League game in a row to keep up their 100% record while returning to the top of the league. On the opposite end of the Metropolitan County, Greater Manchester United lose their third match of the season so far. Life is good. It's Monday the 18th of September. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie Kirsch. I'm Ollie McCool. And this is the City Report Podcast. It's here for good to win! It is a thrilling start for Manchester City! The fastest Well then, everybody, never felt more like singing the blues and all of that. There is nothing better than hopping on a Monday morning to speak about a weekend where Manchester City won, Manchester United lost, and like I said, life is good. Um, by sheer coincidence, we welcome back Oliver Kirsch after a life-enforcing hiatus. It's fantastic to have you back, Oliver, and I'm sure you've uh, been licking your lips after the events at Old Trafford over the weekend. Yeah, it's it's a nice one to come back to this, isn't it? After a, a big city win, after coming from behind, watching them lot collapse over the last week off the pitch and, and fall apart equally so on the pitch. But yeah, life has, has just kind of got in the way over the last few weeks. Um, been really, really busy, but good to be back and hopefully get on a little bit more consistently again now. Superbly, superbly laying down a market already. We're only three minutes into the show. It's what the gaffer loves to hear. Ollie McCall, um, Battle of the Ollies today. How, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Yeah, my weekend wasn't too bad, thanks. Um, any weekend in which City win and United lose is always a good one, no matter what happens. But it's even better after what was a quite boring international break, wasn't it? I mean, mm. the fo- it's just not the same as watching City, is it? You know, you know because you just... You're spending national breaks, bored out of your mind for days on end because there's no regular football. 
I've sent about 50 million TikToks and received 20 million more, you know, <laughs> just, you, you know, that phone usage screen you get on every Monday morning, uh, how much you present. <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to see my trend over it on international break weeks because it just, it just <laughs> fires up. It's horrible. So it's good to have the proper stuff back. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone who wants to send any TikToks, Amos Murphy underscore. I've got a, f- a few good ones that you can jump onto. Some uh, shameless plug there. Um, right, okay. Uh, as always at this point of the episode, if you haven't already, please hit follow, hit subscribe. But we'll jump straight into the action because as Ollie alluded to, the, the Barclays burst back into life over the weekend. Not just at uh, the City game, but Tottenham, Aston Villa, obviously Brighton as well, um, with some massive victories. But we're going to focus on City because that's what we're here to do and and Oliver I'll start with you it was for me anyway it was a a game of two halves and I know that's a a polarizing opinion as we saw over the weekend online but we'll get to the second half let's just start out in the first half because it 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 was weird wasn't it we had City creating chances which for me anyway I never feel like there's been an issue this season a lot of the, the the talk has been about a lack of creativity I think we've got plenty of it for me it just felt a little bit lacking in that control, that dominance that we've seen City play with over the last sort of, well, pretty much since the turn of the year, bar a few dodgy results. Haaland scores a couple of goals, it's a different uh, it's a different case, but it was just a bit of, for me anyway, it felt like a disjointed performance and, and it looked that way in the in the stadium. I don't know what you're, you're, you made of it um, watching from home. Yeah, di- disjointed was exactly the word I used. I, I don't think it was terrible. Um, no. I did see, and I'm going to call you out for it, a, a little hyperbolic tweet <laughs> saying it's our worst half of football since Southampton in the League Cup. It, it I'll, I'll that quickly bad. jump in before you go, go on. on. It was weird because obviously um, loads of people would have seen it anyway. The reaction was, oh no, it wasn't. There was how many, however many City fans in the stadium. Um, 3,000, I think the allocation was. I think if you'd gone round those 3,000, bar the ones in the concourse, everyone would have said that was a completely useless half of football. Yeah. The body language, more than anything, I felt, just didn't look right. And obviously, mm. watching at home, you have the benefits of replays and you're seeing the chances. The view at the London Stadium was astronomically shit. It was like being <laughs> on Pluto. But um, yeah, anyway, I've said my piece. No, I'll yeah, yeah, no, you, you're right. It, it was disjointed. It wasn't terrible. The thing is, the funny thing about that first half is it was a, it was a vintage example of the scoreline dictating your perception of the half. Because you're right, we did create chances. Haaland, I've never seen the guy so profligate in front of goal. He was missing chances <laughs> left, right and centre, right? And then we concede. And considering how defensively solid we've been, it's like everything just wasn't going for us. We were unusually wasteful. We were, mm-hmm. um, and we were unusually open at the back. You know, it wasn't the only chance. Kurt Zuma came very close. Um, I'm glad I didn't get to see a smile on his face at the end of the day as well. After, True. You know, his, True. His antics as well. But, um, yeah, it's one of those where the scoreline just dictates your perception of the half. Had we defended the way we usually do and kept a clean sheet in the first half, had Haaland converted a couple of the chances and we'd gone into that half-time 2-0 up, I think we would have said, yeah, listen, it wasn't our most efficient performance on the ball, but we've done what we do, we're 2-0 up, we've got Haaland, da-da-da, we're fine, great half. The only difference is we went in 1-0 behind and everyone's thinking mm, that, that wasn't great, it wasn't very good. Um, but... Yeah, it, it it was just a bit of a funny one. And I think on any other day, and I don't want to overuse this phrase because it is used a lot, but on any other day, we go into the half, 2-0 up, and everyone's very mm. happy and the game's completely different. So I, I'm not really going to be too critical of them from the first half. Um, 
outside of the team, just on individuals in the first half, Doku from minute one looks electric. I'm not going to say too much because I know Ollie McCall is dying to say his piece on Doku, <laughs> but I, I've got to pay him his, his credit as well. He he was fantastic from you know, from the very, very start. Uh, so, yeah. Over to you guys, Ollie. I guess. Yeah, the thing the thing is, it really it re, uh, the, the the phrase we're going to keep hearing is probably game of two halves. I just I don't think there's any point in focusing on that first half. It was a silly mistake, but ultimately there was if City on City on another day make it two or three nil and it's done. But that second half was brilliant. It was it was two completely different games of football. City it was like City just remembered who they were at half times. So, oh yeah, we are Manchester City. We are the treble winners. With, with you know four four wins straight here in the Premier League, let's make it five. And they went out and did that. And Jeremy Docker is the man. I mean, he's love 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 all the, all the just great words I can say about him. He's you know an electric touch, just that pace, just the extra little bit of pace. It doesn't need to be someone who can who's the fastest sprinter in the world on a football pitch, but he's just got that little bit of zap about him that just makes him special. Mm. And the thing is, he played, apart from the one mistake for their goal, which you can forgive a brand new winger in a new team and a new system, playing on a side he hasn't played for in a while. Um, you can kind of forgive it almost, but he more than made up for it with his attacking play. You know, he, he second game and he knows when to pass. He knows when to take a touch. He knows when to take on his man. Um, I mean, he's the he's almost like a new poster boy for this team and he's you know immediately became one of my favorite players just want to say one thing as well you 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 mentioned Doku being a new poster boy and I saw comments on Twitter you know when he celebrated and he hit the gritty and Mm. there were people on Twitter being like the other players running up to him didn't really know what to do they were kind of going up to him for a hug and he's like we've not had that that flavor of sauce at City for a for a while um and you know he, he looks like he's going to bring um, a bit of sauce on the pitch in the way he plays and how electric he is and how good he mm. is on the ball. Um, but also he, he he looks like he's a kid with some charisma about him, and he's he's going to be, I think, a very very good uh, prominent part of this group. Not only in terms of how he performs on the pitch, but just how he integrates with them as well. And, and Nunes as well. He he looks the same. It. Mm-hmm. We've done it again, and Cheeky's done it again, where we've brought in players that seem to just fit the mould and the mentality and the attitude and the professionalism of this football club. And I know it's very early to be piling praise on them, and I don't want to sound like the rags, you know, when they pick up a new player and he's, he's the best thing since sliced bread <laughs> immediately. Um, so, shouts for Regulon being a stellar signing 20 minutes into their game. Um, but they they do look like Nunes and Doku between them, uh, and of course, Guardiola goes without saying, they all just look like they're going to fit in seamlessly on the pitch and off the pitch. So, yeah, fuck, wow. I'm, I'm really excited about about mm. this season now. You, you say Doku fits the mould immediately. Well, I, I'd make a very strong claim that he doesn't. Um, he, he's quite the opposite of the mould, at least from what we got used to last season. And I, I will temper um, expectations somewhat, mainly for his sake, because he's, he's a young lad. He's coming in and he's had a, an electric start. He's 21 years old. He was even going back to the Euros in 2021 when he made his um, sort of standout performance against Italy, sort of breaking records, the most take-ons completed in, in a European Championship game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Obviously, that, that hype died down a little bit, some injuries, and that's one to watch. But he is a complete maverick in this team, something that City haven't had. And, and you know, many have been arguing that we, we needed it. The trophy hall from last season will suggest you don't, but obviously you have to evolve. And I think that 
just the, the the sharpness is something that that sort of hit me um, whilst watching him. More against West Ham, I felt against Fulham it was, and Guardiola alluded to it. It was very, it was a bit laboured. It was a bit nervous. It was a bit okay. He gets the ball and maybe caught in two minds. I will say though, Ollie Ollie McCool, I, I'll pick up on that mistake because it it did lead to the goal. And, and my only criticism of him so far is the fact that he does everything at one hundred miles an hour. And that's to City's benefit. He goes and scores a wonder goal where he shifts past the defender and he curls it into the bottom right-hand corner. Um, but obviously, he tries. I think he tries to take the ball in his in his path and and do a turn and a switch of play. In the Premier League, that sort of stuff he's going to be capitalised on. So the, there is for me still. I don't want to. I don't want it to be coached out of him because that'd be a waste of his talent, and I don't want him to be, you know, as as many claim Grealish has been, which I, I completely disagree with. But you know, you want him to still have that rawness, and you want him to still have that the the sharpness on in possession. I do, however, feel like sometimes there needs to be a little more composure with what he does on the ball. For, for me, anyway. Yeah, but you got to remember it's his second game, and you know Guardiola's only just for come sure, back for sure. So you know, I, 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 you you want to? I think I think you know they'll have been talking to to him from Pep and the coaches, and the, and they'll and they'll work on that with him. You know, it was said right from the off. This is a kid who's very raw. We're buying we're buying potentially, which to be honest is actually something I quite like City doing. I like mm-hmm. you know th- th- this whole kind of the last few years where we've come and bought in the premier talents. You know, Erling Haaland, Jack Grealish. Um, we've bought the top top guys out on the market in these positions. That's a lot of fun, but I don't particularly like doing it all the time. I like seeing Pep coach players, work with players from a younger age. And that's what he's got with Gladiol, um, and that's what he's got with Doku. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got this kind of quite amazing left-hand side, very direct left-hand side with them too, compared to what we already have with the brilliant Nathan Ake and Jack Grealish. You know, we haven't bought Doku to be another Jack Grealish. We've got Jack Grealish for that job. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. He, he does. He needs to work on little bits, little bits of his composure. But those are things that will come in time. You know, if, if he's still making those same mistakes a year from now, then that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But what I think what we've seen from him is what we're going to get, which is that directness, that little bit of pace, that little bit of excitement. Um, and I think that's a lot to look forward to. You know, we spent all summer a lot of people screaming out for Leroy Sane to come back. I think we've got mm-hmm. someone who's very much like Leroy Sane already. So in, in Durami Doku. So I think there's a lot to work on, but I think he's going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when Grealish is back from injury, there'll be rotation anyway. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's already a pointless narrative starting about whether or not he's, he should be replacing Grealish and, and whether or not he's better for the team than Grealish is. I mean, you've got two fantastic wingers there. You don't need to compare them. But with Jeremy Doku, the, the one thing that, that struck me is 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 well, maybe not best trait, but certainly most impressive trait so far in his City career, was just that fearlessness. He makes the mistake in the first half. He obviously not not directly gives the goal away, but it leads to a goal immediately in the second half. What, less than five minutes in, he's still dancing past defenders and curling in a wonderful goal. He, he really is a wonderful football player to watch. And it's no surprise why play, uh, why supporters are, are already foaming at the mouth. They're loving him. He's, he is one of those players who can quickly become a fan's favourite because of what they offer. So, yeah, good signing. City ticking the box there. Um, Oli Kirsch, another good signing, albeit 12 months ago. Julian Alvarez, he got another two assists yesterday. He's now picked up a goal contribution in every game so far this Premier League season. Not bad for a lad who, what, two weeks ago we were having debates or, or there were claims that he's not 
I don't know if people are saying he's not good enough, but people are saying that he's not useful enough in this city system. Yeah, I, I, we, we had a bit of a chat about this privately uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I want to kind of put it out there as well on the pod. The thing with Alvarez is that he doesn't have a standout trademark trait, right? A lot of our players have one thing about them which really sets them apart from everyone else. Obviously, Harlan with his finishing, Foden with his first touch and his agility, Grealish with his ability to retain possession, Doku is going to be you know, the, the one known for that direct dribbling and his pace. Um, all, all of our players have something that is incredibly unique about them, almost mm. all of them. Whereas Alvarez... He doesn't really have that one particular thing, but he is essential to what we're trying to do. The way he works off the ball, he's creative. He's no KDB, but he's creative. He's no Haaland, but he's a great finisher. He's 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 just a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, really, a, a mm. utility man in a sense, and I don't want to reduce him. I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm being reductive in calling him a utility man, but that is an unbelievable uh, trait and, and value to this team. And that's what he does. So I'm really pleased. I mean, I'm, I'm gutted he didn't get his goal, you know, that free kick that cannoned off the, mm. off the bar, off the post, I can't remember which one. Um, but he, he does what he does. And I think he's always going to go underappreciated, perhaps until he's our main goal scorer through Haaland injury, God forbid. But, I think he's just going to be one of those that does go underappreciated, but not by Pep, not by the team, uh, and not by those who will view our games and our system with a little more nuance than who's the one scoring the big goals, who's the one beating their men, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just the ones that keep things ticking nicely. Um, you know, Rodri was almost underappreciated in that sense until he started scoring those big clutch goals, right? And, and, mm. and the Thunder Bastards from outside the box. Again, because Alvarez hasn't really established that that standout Hollywood aspect of his play yet. Uh, and when you're in a team of superstars, it can be hard to establish yourself for credibility. But my God, he, he's so important. And especially throughout this period, while KDB is out, I think he's going to play almost every week and, and we're really going to see the best of him. Yeah, um, I'm I'm all in on him. I know there's still some debate about what he brings and what he offers in that position, but I think Guardiola mentioned it in his pre-match press conference, the fact that when you lose Ilkay Gundogan from that midfield, and especially at the start of last season, as opposed to sort of later on when he dropped into that box midfield, but Gundogan was almost playing it as a second striker. Um, go back to that Bournemouth game, I think he got a goal. There was another, a couple of big goals in, in the early part of the season as well. And he was so close to Haaland in the box, working off him, playing little one-twos. Haaland got a few assists as well. And we've seen that already this season. Haaland has been able to create a little bit more. Alvarez has been in those those positions to finish as well. I think he's uh, an ind- ind- indispensable member of the team already. And to do this, Oli, having come back from Bolivia in midweek on international duty you know they're playing at the sort of altitude of a Boeing 737 for most the most part of the game it's 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 a testament to his ability and I, I I just cannot fathom the criticism you know for a lot of the time Jack Grealish for example a player I have defended refutely I know exactly what he brings I'm in on him but I can understand why others might not be and there are other players who you do you know they have the they have the pros and cons. I just cannot get why anybody would be against Alvarez being in this city starting eleven. He's he's wonderful. I mean, the thing with Julian Alvarez is, yeah, he's just 
He's a player who can just do a little bit of everything. He's a player who just offers so much in so many different facets of the game that if if you do, if you know what's that what's that famous Iniesta quote? If you watch the game, you don't see Iniesta. If you watch Iniesta, you see yes. the whole game. It, you feel yeah. a little bit like that with Julian Alvarez because you get to the end of the game and you go, "Well, he's got two assists. How's he done that?" And then you you go back and you watch him and you go, "Oh, he's just brilliant." He, all the grunt work he does off the ball, making space running defenders about all the stuff that Haaland doesn't do but that but then you know the top top Haaland defenders on Twitter mm. and such will also oh no this is actually what he does do you know it's Alvarez doing it for him it's Alvarez making those little runs and you know pulling a centre back out of out of the half space and all of those little things that's what Alvarez brings and he's got good enough finishing to cope to be probably the lead striker in any team you know he would start for the other 19 teams in this league you know, there was a th- it was uh, Sky Sports' Saturday Social. They did this thing where they ranked all the Premier League strikers except Haaland. And, um, you know, th- there was a little bit of disagreement on Alvarez. And I just think, well, no, because there's not a single team in this league he doesn't start for. And then now he's become yeah. a starter at Manchester City where he's playing, you know, you know, half a game in midfield, half a game up top. And you get and you get the feeling that if Haaland does go down with an injury, they'll just put him at striker and then you bring in another midfielder. And that's going to suit the City system mm. well because bringing in another ball carrier is perfect for what we're doing at the moment. So he's you don't want to call him a luxury player anymore because I think he's kind of gone past that tag. But um, having a player like him and Haaland and Foden all on the same pitch, all on the same pitch at the same time, it is a lot of fun to watch. Mm. And that that kind of triangle of attacking forces, it's unlike anything you're seeing in world football at the moment because you've got two players who can do all the work and still do spectacular things. And then you've got Erling Haaland on top of that. It doesn't really get any better. I mean, it's it, This is such a fearless team. And to come back from international duty, you know, from Bolivia, like you were saying, ridiculous altitude and play, I, th- I think it was a full 90 minutes or near enough a full 90 minutes ridiculous mm. ridiculous player you know because the how many players will have came off trips like that and gone oh maybe don't maybe don't start me today maybe start me from the bench or maybe take me off after 60 minutes and you get the feeling that if Alvarez was told to go out there for three hours and run around and do and do the work that he does he do no questions asked wonderful wonderful mm. player yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I completely echo all of that. He is a joy to watch and, and a real gem in this team. Um, we'll call that for part one. Join us after this short break as we continue the review of Manchester City's win against West Ham. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season. And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Uh, Shout out to Scott who stopped us. 
at the London Stadium on Saturday afternoon. I hope your afternoon was as good as mine. As always then, if you haven't already, please hit follow, hit subscribe, which by now, listeners, if you are a regular, you should be. Um, Ratings and reviews, of course. Welcome as well. Quick trivia then before we crack on for the rest of today's show. Jeremy Doku became the first number 11 for City to score since Sinchenko in the FA Cup. What was it? 2020. Do any of you know do any of you know who the last player with a number 11 on their back to score for City in the Premier League was? It's going a good few years back, and it is a bit of a niche one. So fair play to either of you if you get it, and listeners as well. Didn't oh. Kolarov, Kolarov have number eleven at some point? He did. Was it him? It might have been, but do you know which game, which goal? Not, I couldn't tell you what game or goal, the, the, but, <laughs> but I'd, but I'd um, assume. I'm get well. I'm guessing. Great knowledge, even season? shouting Kolarov. Mm. What what was his last he season? Had it sixteen, for about seventeen three seasons. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sixteen, seventeen. Closer. So you look, you're looking at twenty seventeen. I I couldn't I could not tell you the game for the life of me. But collar off in twenty seventeen. Memory shelved for me. It was so poor. It was so bad. And, and one of the games that was particularly bad, and it was the one he scored in. Um, is that is that a hint at all, Ollie or, or Oliver? I, I, I'm, I'm not. I've not got a clue. Here. You, to be honest, I didn't Le- even remember who our previous Leicester was before, Zinni. So. Leicester, yes, wow. it was. Yes. Yeah, Leicester City for Manchester City 2. He scored City's second, I think it was. Um, direct free kick in that sort of that well, game. Well, Did Jamie Vardy get a hat trick or something like that? Ollie McCall. How else is Collar of, wow. of going to score if not a direct free kick? I mean, I mean whatever, true, whatever, whatever, whatever that goal was, because I have no memory of it, it just. Leicester came to be there. Whatever it was, it was definitely better than Zinchenko and then him doing that bloody Mbappe celebration in the FA Cup against <laughs> Swindon Town or whoever it was. I mean, Port Vale. Port, Port Vale. Vale, that was. Got, yeah. Wasn't, wasn't yeah. that he, Port Vale, the guy with the conspiracy theory striker who said Tom he'd Pope. beat John Stone? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, remember, I, remember, yeah. I, remember, I, I have a distinct memory of that because of the pundits actually talking up John Stone's versus Tom Pope. Uh, what, what a, di- and, what and a he, dire um, time he, yeah he posted something that he'd, he'd score every week if he played against John Stones and then got a goal and then posted on Instagram saying I told you so and he, he dribbled past Taylor Harwood Bellis to score so um, yeah uh, not not the brightest back but anyway yeah it was Kolarov against Leicester well done to anyone who got that but um, refocusing then Oliver on the win against West Ham um, one of the bright sparks one of the talking points obviously already been mentioned but Mateus Nunes he, he came on um, I'm pretty sure he's saying he came on with City already in the lead although I'll have to check that I might have been wrong um, but he came on at an important part of the game and by God did he look like he'd been here forever another player who's just looking so comfortable and, and and a really impressive cameo for him, I felt. Yeah, and, and it wasn't just a cameo in terms of how he fit into the team and his general play. He had a real, he had a tangible impact in both the goals. The, the second goal, mm-hmm. it was his cutback uh, before a little bit of ping-pong and it ended up with Alvarez and then Spinardo. Uh, and the third goal for Haaland, he was the one that made the decoy run on the inside of the centre-halves to give Haaland that half a yard that he needed to finish. So uh, it was nice. Obviously, it's mm. not a goal contribution as we see them, but uh, he, he played a real key hand in in both the goals. So, again, an absolute pleasure. I mean, I already said it in the first half of this episode, you know, credit to Cheeky. Uh, I, it, it, an early look 
it looks like across all three of them, Nunes, Doku and Guardiola, we've, we've just signed players that, unlike the usual pep trend of needing a year to get up to speed, uh, as things stand so far, early days, but as things stand, these three have for all intents and purposes, hit the ground running. So, excellent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Nunes play a 90 to see how he really mm-hmm. fits in with the team. But I love his positive mindset as well. Bit of Gundo in there. The late runs into the box. The phantom arrival into the into the, into the the box. It's uh, it's nice to see. And, I mean, by God, he's got some boots to fill if he is going to get near Gundo's level. But there are certain aspects of the way he plays his game already. Uh, in, in a blue shirt, you know, forgetting what he's done prior. But, in how he's been on the pitch for us in the short time he has, there are shades of Gundo style of play. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on my knees, do a rain dance, whatever I need to do. That, but if he can replicate Gundo's role in this team, then fantastic. Yeah, it, it was a real, it was a real delight to watch. And as you say, yeah, he came on um, uh, with the game at one-one. Um, he replaced Foden, which at the time I felt was a, a truly bizarre substitution. I felt like obviously Foden's one of those players who can make something out of nothing, and then, like you say, contributed. Um, albeit, albeit a little bit earlier on in the move to both goals, but um, Ollie, he's obviously we we know what he's capable of. Albeit, you know. Maybe his time at Wolves is a little bit hit and miss. He was playing in a poor team. His his last few games at Wolves were particularly poor. I remember he got sent off against uh, Brighton for really petulant pushing in the 90-odd minutes. So there was, for me anyway, a little bit of um, doubts maybe about his mentality, his attitude, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to you know, make any parallels with previous Portuguese players we've had at the club because there's one Bernardo Silva who's been you know mentality wise excellent but it was a bit like in my head you've just got rid of Cancelo and you're replacing him with a, a guy with the same uh, the same sort of maybe a little bit of mentality issues we'll have to wait and see however Oli he, he's He's, he started so well and he's a delight. He was a delight to watch at um, Sporting and he looks like he's going to be a delight to watch for City. Um, yeah, Matthias Nunes, it was, it's a really interesting signing and I, and I thought it would be. And you could, the, thing, the thing that I found really interesting with the signings we've made this summer is that Doku, Kovacic, Nunes and Gladiol, they're not known for attacking instincts, but they're all bringing something extra in attack. You know, we've got Doku providing that different profile, Guardiola provides a hell of a lot of things with that amazing left foot of his, you know, can invert from the left side, can be a kind of more traditional fullback, can be a left-sided centre-back in a back four. And then we've got Nunes and Kovacic, who are known as these ball carriers, known as sort of deeper midfielders, but it looks like Pep wants to play them further at the pitch, get them closer to Haaland, creating space for Haaland, all play all like we've seen with Kovacic a few times, play the through ball through. Um, and if you watch Matthias Nunes, you're thinking, what a city scene in him. But then you remember that two years ago, Pep was calling him one of the best football in the world so you know obviously the city scouts have seen seen something in him i i can't admit to having seen too much of him at sporting i think the most i saw of him was amounts to the two games we played against them but um he he looked incredibly impressive and it's just so nice to have you know you know when substitutions like that happen and you see tangible impact in the game you just kind of think, oh, yeah, we do have a genius in the dugout who knows what he's doing. We have geniuses behind the scenes who know how to find players like this mm. who fit the mould. Um, and, you know, we all thought, you know, Nunes, he's going to be, he was going to be brought in more to cover Rodri and, you know, played much, much deeper. And he came in, played a bit further forward, replacing Foden of all people, which, as you say, looked like a weird sub. Um, and he just 
you know, did his job, created created space for Haaland, knocked it about with Bernardo. And I have no doubt that him knowing Ruben Diaz, him knowing Bernardo Silva has has probably really helped him not only get used to being at Manchester City in the couple of weeks he's been here, but also knowing how to link up with Bernardo especially or how to receive a pass from Ruben Diaz from deep. And those are things that are going to benefit his career at Manchester City so well. You know, compare that to someone like Kovacic, who, yes, is, what, seven, eight years older, but and has got that experience in, you know, a supposedly top team in Chelsea. Um, you know, we can see uh, some parallels between in how they play, but also in just how they've immediately fitted in it here, here at Manchester City, replacing an all-time great, replacing, you know, as as Oli was saying, one of our greatest players in Ilkay Gundogan. If they get even a fraction close to what he brought for us, you know, it's a complete and utter perfect scenario from both of them and off the little we've seen of them so far it looks all right so I'm you know there's a lot there's a lot more to come from Nunes I think and you know if he can even score more than five or six goals a season then that's a tangible improvement on what we've seen from him in earlier parts of his career um, same with Kovacic as well, and I think they're going to get them because you know if they're not if they're not scoring or trying to score, they're creating chances and you know getting the so-called pre-assists and you know having impact in the game. So it's a really positive future here at Manchester City with with the reshaping of this midfield and the reshaping of the attack in general. Yeah, it, it's it's looking fluid. Um, Pep's Portuguese blues. What what's blue in Portuguese? Azul. Oh, is that Spanish? Um, oh, Spanish. Maybe the same. Yeah. Oh, no, it is as well. It crosses over. Um, so Pep's Portuguese Azuls. Um, Oliver, you've you've been missing out one of your uh, one of City's new signings. You've been praising everyone, but the fella who Nunes has been or probably played instead of um, Kovacic, obviously out injured for the win against West Ham, came on to replace Foden. But he's he's another one, isn't he? I mean, the recruitment this season, and and I'll I'll throw into the mix as well the fact that. Paqueta, who was on the opposite side for West Ham, had a wonderful game. And, and obviously, Nunes wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for what we know happened to the Paqueta transfer. But it's reassuring to have that list of players, isn't it? Who you go three, four down in the list. And I think a lot of people were confused. The question why City were going for Nunes, you know, obviously, he wasn't first choice, wasn't even second choice, or even third choice. But you do have that assurance in the recruitment team where at other clubs, United, for example, last minute left back uh, signing, uh, Sergio Regulon, uh, Amrabat, who I think is a, a functional player and, and will take the load off Casemiro. There is still questions about the recruitment. Whereas at City, they know what to do. Granted, the money helps. Kovacic, Gvardiol, Doku, and Mateus Nunes is a wonderful summer, and it looks like City are reaping the rewards for it. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I owe Mateo Kovacic a solemn apology. For not mentioning him before when I was piling the praise on the new signings. But, I mean, yeah, shit, we're a bit spoiled really, aren't we? Because every season Mm -hmm. over the last few seasons, we've lost a key player or two. Every summer without fail. And we've just replaced them seamlessly. Even even in the summers where there's been panic, uh, you know, when we failed to get Messi over the line and we didn't bring a striker in, failed to get Kane over the line, didn't bring a striker in... um, this summer, we left things a little bit late. I think it's been our first deadline day, major deadline day signing in a while. Um, but we just, we roll on. We roll on. It's quite remarkable, actually, how 
we keep doing it. And whatever system we have in place, whatever system Cheeky has in place, by God, we're doing it right. Uh, but yeah, apologies mm. to Kovacic if he is listening. <laughs> if any members of the squad are listening, Pep on his burner account sees a clip of it on Twitter or whatever. Um, yeah, he's. I, I'm going to just straight up not talk about it at length, but lump him in with mm. the others and the praise I've given them. And just one thing as well. I like that we're at the point where whenever the word United gets mentioned, a oh, smile <laughs> automatically breaks out on everyone's faces. They're just an objectively funny football club at the moment. They're a circus. And do you know what makes it even worse, right? We were a circus in the 90s, don't get me wrong. We've had our banter era. Arsenal mm. have had their banter era. A lot of clubs have had their banter eras. But the difference is... United are managing to maintain a banter era while spending hundreds of millions of pounds a season. Our banter era was on a shoestring, right? We had nothing. So it was kind of excusable. They are the butt of English football's jokes at the moment whilst blowing transfer fees out the water. So, look, I'm not here to... to analyze what's going wrong at united i'm just here to laugh at them man i'm here for it um mm. it's it's fantastic and you know we talk about how we are so consistently maintaining a high level no matter who leaves they are just consistently maintaining a farce and god long may it continue if every time you mention the word united city fans just smile and laugh instead of get annoyed we would everyone's doing something right glazes in it's it's the most expensive banter era of all time. Um, and then that's a fantastic place to call it a day. Ollie McCall, thank you very kindly. No problem. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk about expensive banter eras, I mean, it's making Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter look sensible, isn't it, the Glazers? So <laughs> thank, thank you, Avram Glazer. Chelsea are trying, Chelsea but they're trying. not doing it like the Glazers. Yeah. Or, up <laughs> yeah, the American true. capitalists. Keep buying football clubs we hate. <laughs> great news for us <laughs> <laughs> um oliver thank you very much thank you good to be back indeed um back with more podcasts this week as usual five a week now the international break is over starting tomorrow where we'll continue analyzing this game and then looking ahead to the champions league which returns this week champions of europe you'll never sing that they said ha 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 um right okay then until next time we'll see you later Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.